Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, your true crime, cold, conspiracy, encrypted podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. Happy. Well, we hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy after Thanksgiving. And a good Black Friday. And a good get your Christmas tree weekend. Yeah, that's what we did yesterday. I feel like everybody gets their Christmas tree this weekend. If they get a real one. Yeah. And if they don't, sometimes it's already up. If I had a fake one, it would be up already. Yeah, I had a couple of friends who sent me their um pictures of their trees already up before thanksgiving but they don't do thanksgiving at their house they do it at like their parents or whatever so yeah i wonder if that makes a difference maybe um we had a good trip yeah we did it was fun very fun we got a little soggy are your shoes dry yet i haven't looked (laughs) they're still in the bag oh my god that's bold might get start getting stanky I mean, they're not, it's not closed or oh, anything. Oh, it's oh just, I see. Got they're it. just okay. in a bag, okay. a bag still. Um, Your waterproof shoes. Yeah. But it was a good time and yeah. Yeah, I'd do it again. So would I. That's, that's the real sign of a successful trip. If we would both say we would do it again. Yeah. Um, cool. I don't think there's anything else I really need to talk about. Did you have a good birthday? Yeah, I had a great birthday. And Emily, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, you actually have to go to a full work week. I know. Are you going to be okay? No. You haven't worked five days in a row (coughs) since like three weeks ago. Yeah, the very first week in November. Oh, boy. I don't know if she's going to make it, folks. So I work a full week, but then I have a... Another trip. Another trip. Don't feel too bad for you guys. Um, I certainly don't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let's just get into it. Okie doke. We got, I got things to do today, so. All right. Um, <laughs> I have kind of a shorter one today. Oh, perfect. Um, mostly just because this was the first one on my list, and I was like, this sounds interesting, so I just went with it, and it, usually mine are over a thousand words when I write them out, and this one is like 800. Okay. So, um, I'm doing the story of Daniel Hogan. That does not surprise me because Daniel Hogan was born sometime around 1880. Oh. So this tells you that it's an old story, obviously, and we don't even have exact dates for some things. The old stories are fun to do, but uh, it's hard to very find information on them sometimes. Yeah. So I I actually have more than one source, which is kind of surprising Uh, because sometimes even finding more than one decent source is hard. Yeah. So, he was often called Dapper Dan Hogan. Uh, He was born, according to his death certificate, in California to Irish Catholic parents. Daniel was arrested for the first time in 1905 for room prowling. Do you know what that is? No. I had to look it up, too, because I did not know. So, basically, it is... Like, being a peeping Tom, but you're using equipment instead. So, like, using a telescope, binoculars, um, a camera. This might be... I mean, I know they didn't have cameras, but did they have that stuff? <laughs> I mean, obviously, they had some. Yeah, like, they had, like, spy glasses and stuff for sure, because, like, uh, sea captains and stuff used them. Good point. Uh, I don't know when, like, the first mobile camera, like, that wasn't on, like, a stand was around i could have looked it up but i didn't i highly doubt it was 1905 i don't know because they were taking pictures back in the civil war time 
and that was the 1800s well okay so i i just don't know uh so anyways he would like use something to like look into windows and whatever so that was called room prowling rather than being a peeping tom okay i don't know why it also might be a california thing because when i looked it up it said in california got it so even now i think that's like a thing okay which now you can use like drones and that would be considered room prowling oh got it so daniel ended up in san quentin for his room prowling and served some time there he also served time in south dakota minnesota and wisconsin for bank robbery and fur theft so i don't know how long any of his jail times were but probably a little more for the bank robbery than the fur theft. Yeah, probably. Probably. So, in 1909, Daniel came to St. Paul, where he quickly found a niche as the leader of the mob. Dun-dun-dun. Not only did he run the Irish mob in St. Paul, but he also fenced stolen goods, Played matchmaker for people who needed crimes done and matching them with, like, the criminal that would do the crime. And he became pretty tight with somebody named Chief, Police Chief, John O'Connor. So, I don't know if you remember that name because he's not the more prominent one that we've talked about. We've talked more about Tom Brown, but he was right before Tom Brown. So, this is, like beginning of the john dillinger era okay is when this guy is kind of making his name in the twin cities got it specifically saint paul but you know what i mean we still gotta do that gangster tour i know i think it'd be so cool i think so too so daniel um was actively protected by the police because of his work with police chief john o'connor um o'connor would allow criminals to operate in the city if they paid a portion of their gains to dapper dan and would promise not to kill kidnap rape or rob within city limits so even though this just blows my mind because it's like even though the area was known for their criminals in order to like work in the area they had to pay this like tribute and promise not to do these things so it would almost be safer to live in, in the city yeah than it would be to live outside of them that is really interesting so i just i was like that i did not i never knew that before because like i think we both have always known that saint paul has this history of being a crime city like an organized crime city because you just kind of in this area you just kind of grow up knowing that yeah but to find out that maybe it was better to live there for a time than it was not to is just really Wild. fascinating no I, yeah i like that that's crazy yeah so i i'm glad i found that out the mob is so interesting to me because they're like do all these bad things but then it's like but we want to keep our city safe and they also <laughs> have like a weird moral code yeah. right like i think that's what what is so fascinating about them like in in the fiction world right there's always that oh he's a mobster but he's so soft for his one like love and then if anybody does anything or looks at her he's go kill him you know yeah and I, I think that's just kind of like oh you mean that's not how it is in real life <laughs> I, 
I'm just kidding. I, you know, I I would like to that's think fictional. so, but I don't have any proof no, of that. Yeah. So please don't date a mobster to find out. I would have okay. to find one first. I don't. That's fair. <laughs> So um, Daniel would often skirt the rule himself of not doing crime in the city. Uh, Daniel. I know. Dapper Dan. But his crimes were mostly nonviolent and rarely contained any gunplay, but he would still have massive gains. So he was like really smart about how he did his crimes, apparently. Daniel also became a fixer working with the Democratic Party that ran the city and when the U.S. Department of Justice tried to convict Dapper Dan, they were never able to get enough evidence to do so. Hmm. Isn't that so crazy? That is. So weird. During Prohibition, Daniel owned and operated the Green Lantern Saloon on Wabasha Street. Oh my gosh, I wonder if that place is still open. I know. Or like where? Yeah, I was wondering that too because we you did that one tour. The Wabasha Street Caves? Yeah. Yeah. And... If you're going to be running a bar during Prohibition, it's a pretty good place to do it is in those caves. Yeah. So not only was there illegal drinking there, but there was also illegal gambling going on. Uh, <coughs> sorry. I was trying to hold it off. Um, he would launder money through the saloon from the robberies that he had helped plan in neighboring cities. So it was like... a quadruple or well triple illegal place because there was alcohol illegal gambling and the money laundering all in the same location hmm. so you know just a one-stop shop exactly just kind of crushing it uh basically daniel hogan had his fingers in a lot of pies and was really able to keep himself protected and clean from a lot of the crime that was going on in 1927 uh there's a memo from that that year from the Department of Justice. Just, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, we're going to rewind. In a 1927 memo from the Department of Justice, it was written that, quote, Hogan is a nationally known character as a fence for the disposal of stolen property and undoubtedly hundreds of thousands of dollars of stolen stamps and bonds and other valuable property have come into his hands. He is doubtless one of the most resourceful and keenest criminals in the United States and has always been able to cover his tracks so as to avoid detection, end quote. So that kind of leads back to that whole, like, he was smart as hell about what he was doing. I'd be a really bad criminal. Was it? I just can't lie. I have the worst poker face. Yeah, you're not. You unfortunately take after our mother. Yeah. But who apparently is getting kind of sloppy on her being able to figure out when I'm lying and when I'm not. Cause she oh, called me yeah. out yesterday for something that was not a lie <laughs> after I lied about something that was a lie. <laughs> so step up your game, Claire. All right. Another criminal from the time named Harley Bailey wrote a memoir called robbing banks was my business. Oh my God. And I need to find it. I need to find it. Holly? What? What was the name? Harvey Harvey. Bailey. I heard Holly. I was like a female? No. Harvey (laughs) Bailey. And it's called Robbing Banks Was My Business. 
Amazing. And in that, he said how regularly he went to Dapper Dan to fence stolen goods um, and launder money from his crimes. Was this while Dapper Dan was still a criminal? Because that would have been rude. Um, I, be like, I don't think so. Just spilling all my secrets. Yeah, I don't think so my... because that's a really good way to get yourself killed. Yeah, in a book. <laughs> yeah. So on December 4th, 1928, Daniel got into his car, started it, and blew up. Oh, no. Yeah. There was a bomb underneath the floorboards of his car, and it ended taking his uh, right leg clean off. Oh, he didn't die. Daniel was brought to the hospital and slipped into a coma and died oh. nine hours later. Damn. I know. Poor Dan. I know. And his poor family, because it happened at their house. Oh, shit. Like, it was, like, in his garage. Yeah. None of his family was hurt, though, thank God. Because, like, they didn't do anything. Did he have a big family? He definitely had a wife. I don't know if he had any children. Yeah, it's okay. But um, he also had a couple of nieces and nephews and stuff like that, but don't serious it's okay so at his funeral there was over five thousand dollars worth of flowers from criminals from st paul chicago and new york city (laughs) um i did look up what the inflation rate would be that's over eighty nine thousand dollars of flowers are you serious Almost ninety thousand. It was eighty nine thousand nine hundred and eighty two dollars in flowers. Amazing. Yeah. So apparently, like, a really well liked guy. So great criminal. Yeah. All around. I feel like. Do I don't know. You might be getting to this, but do we know who killed him? Um, sort of. Okay, you're gonna get to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep my mouth shut then. I feel like I missed a part. But maybe it's in here. I'll just keep going. And if I missed it, I'll come back later. Okay. So Daniel Hogan was buried in Calvary Cemetery in St. Paul's North End. We also need to go there. Yeah. Just to see if we can find him. Because I think that'd be really cool. Really come find a grave.com. I didn't even think of that. We can do that later. Yes. Don't let me forget. So after his funeral, the infamous Bugs Moran. Do you know Bugs Moran? Does yeah. the name sound familiar? Yeah. So he was from Chicago, and he actually came and stood guard outside the family home to protect Daniel's family from any other attacks that might be coming. Wow. So, like, he personally stood outside his house and was like, Benny's going to try and fuck him up. I'm going to fuck him up first, basically. So interesting. I know. The the loyalty that this man had from so, so many, many other yeah. mobsters is just honestly That's incredible. That's why I'm, like, very curious on who killed him so while the case is still officially unsolved today some fbi documents that have been released imply that there is a lead suspect named harry sawyer who is a known associate of dapper dan's apparently he paid bail for daniel in 1927 after daniel was arrested for helping plan a robbery and as of the time of his death, Daniel had not paid the bail money of $25,000, which would be $497,964 today. And he also allegedly cheated Harry out of $36,000, which would be $640,240 today from an illegal gambling location in, Minnesota, in Mendota that the two had run together. 
Even Daniel's niece later said that she believed her uncle knew exactly who had planted the bomb, but he would never tell them because he wouldn't want to put his family into danger. So, like, when he went into the hospital, he was still conscious for a while. Mm, And then he slipped into unconsciousness (laughs) while in the hospital. So, she's like, I, we think, we all, we all thought he knew and he knew, you know, but he's never going to say anything. So, which is kind of nice of him to do to protect his family. His wife also believed that justice would be done saying, quote, I am sure there will be justice. If Danny had lived, he would have gone on the one leg they had left him and taken care of it himself. End quote. <laughs> Probably. Honestly, though. Harry Sawyer ended up taking over Dapper Dan's criminal criminal organization mm. after his death. Convenient. And allowed St. Paul to become a much more violent place. Something that people who knew Dapper Dan Hogan would have been horrified by. And that was also when... Um, Tom, Chief Tom Brown kind of came came into the picture a little bit more. So the thing that I thought I had put in here because I'd read it and I could have sworn I wrote it down, but I don't see it, was that the police often called him the smiling or the, the peacemaker, the smiling peacemaker or something like that. Let me see if I can find it. It's in one of my sources. I think it's... Um... Because he was just like, he, when other criminals would come into the cities, he would act as like an ambassador and like introduce them to the people that would help protect them. Um, it says he was a, this is from crimemagazine.com. It says that he was known as the smiling peacemaker to local police officials and. He became so closely connected to the political machine that the police not only feared him, but actively actively protected his associates. So he would like, if Bugs Moran had come into town, he would come and see Dapper Dan and Dapper Dan would take him to meet with whomever he needed to. Interesting. So I just thought that was really cool. And like, he just seems like a really... What a... Like, interesting man um, right like a <laughs> i know he was like a bad guy but like a very suave bad guy <laughs> right like he doesn't seem like that that bad of a bad guy right does that make sense it's almost like a robin hood-esque S- type kind of thing like you know you shouldn't like him but at the same time you, you, you kind of do. do yeah yeah i totally get what you're saying so my sources were blsgov.gov um like wikipedia CrimeMagazine.com and Medium.com, The Reign of Dapper Dan Hogan, The Irish Godfather of St. Paul, Minnesota. The Irish Godfather. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I want a cool nickname like that. What, M's not good enough for you? No. <laughs> At least you have a nickname. I don't even have a nickname. Dad's tried. I've had a few, but they all kind of just fade Fizzled. out. Yeah. Some I'd- names just don't have good well, and I'm just not a Danny. Yeah, no. You know, I've never been a Danny, no. so I'm just not. Yeah. He's done, like, Dante. He's called me Prue before. Uh, Pooh. <laughs> that one stuck around probably the longest. Well. I would prefer Her Majesty, but it's fine. <laughs> just, I guess I'm I just am, kidding. I am also a lady, Lady Emily. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. 
Yeah, I got. I nothing. could put that on my driver's license. Did you know that? Shut up. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> According to the website. <laughs> Don't tell me that. No, I think he knows. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he would. Um. Okay. Our socials are MW Madness Podcast on Instagram and Gmail, and the Midwest Madness Podcast group on Facebook. Correct. Cool. Well, I I hope you liked this one. I I, I know that we personally like the history. I like the history stuff, yeah. but I don't know if the listeners super Do. love them. But I just I think it's really fascinating because not a lot of podcasts cover that stuff. Yeah, you know. So yeah. um, try to give you something a little different. Cool. Well, we will talk to you guys on next Tuesday. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Have a great week. Bye.